had. Don't get me wrong. I'm like <laughs> that peak. I was looking at this on this massive peak. Oh my god! I lost my train of thought. Why does it look like they're in Vegas? <laughs> Oh, on that note, it is the Super Clash Podcast, episode 52, I believe. Yeah, that's a number. I'm your host, Kale. Hey, it's Connor again. And it is almost 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, it is. We usually record at like 7, 8 o'clock, but uh, we decided to, Connor and I and our wives, watched the movie Bell. Mm-hmm. And watch it. It is amazing. It like like it in my top films. It would it would have to be up there because it's like the animation. Just what is up with America and not having two D animation? The Japanese are just on top of it. Yeah, it's like it makes me so sad that two D animation is not like popular here, except on TV. Where, you know, Western animation pivoted hardcore into 3D animation. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, Japan just went all in on making beautiful looking backgrounds and scenery and, you know. Yeah, and if if you guys don't know, Belle is basically a story of a, of, of a girl who lost her mother and her and her mother had had a love for music. And after her mother died, she stopped singing completely until this like social media platform comes in called You to where they build an avatar around kind of your looks. And then she gets this massive confidence to sing again. And everyone loves her. Yeah, the, the avatar is based off who you are on the inside, basically. Yes. Uh, I won't go into any more with, with that just because like it's, it's a ride. It's, oh, yeah. So, uh, there's there's a couple of things I wanted to say about this film. Um, I really loved uh, the art. St- art style is the wrong word for it, but the art style for the real world and the uh, the Avatar world. Mm-hmm. The real world, the colors were a bit muted. Like it was a bit more crudely drawn in it, of the real world. That's the art style of. Um this particular studio that makes this, all of their films are kind of designed this way where the, um, the backgrounds are very intricate. I'll try it again. The backgrounds are very intricate and they have a lot of detail and Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, I don't know, depth to them. Whereas the character designs, um, for like the people are very simple and they, they focus on very simple. Whereas like, when they're in the virtual space, there's like a, it, the virtual space is in CG, but the colors are bright, poppy. There's mm-hmm. more detail to the characters, and they actually did this in with Summer Wars too, because Summer Wars takes place in a virtual world as well. And so, in the real world, it was a certain way, and then in the virtual is another. I I just loved those two different art styles to kind of represent the two the two worlds. Yeah. And especially, like, this is not much of a spoiler because she does gain confidence to sing again. But I, I, I loved how, as, as she was singing, like, you didn't see her eyes. And then her posture changes as she gains confidence again. Yeah. 
it is just a beautiful story. And I'm going to be blasting that soundtrack on my way home. It's uh, it's like a modern take on Beauty and the Beast but with a lot more depth to it. Yeah. And so it's all around just wonderful. So, But other than that, how was your week, Connor? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself? It was pretty good. Um, I have a weird story to tell you. I've been wanting to tell you the story for a little bit. So last Saturday, um, my wife was out of town, and I kind of just hung out, and I watched the sporting, the sporting KC game, and we're not having a good year right now. So we lost 7-2, to two, which is, that is a massive score in soccer. And so I'm like, oh, well, okay. It was, it's, a, it's a nice evening, so I, uh, I get a cigar I bought earlier that day. I was going to open the garage and enjoy the evening. And my neighbor across the way, which I've spoken to a couple times, mm-hmm. like, hey, man, do you got a couple minutes? I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I go in and I put on jeans because it was a lot colder than I thought. And so I start talking to him and he starts talking about like his relationship troubles and <laughs> the, 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 my, my, see, benefit of the doubt, you probably just wanted another guy to, to talk to about this, you know? Yeah. And he's an older gentleman, like bit like bigger dude, white beard, the sixty like sixty five, sixty three years old, rides a motorcycle, and he was talking to me about all his relationship problems. And this dude's kind of a pushover, you know. Like this last girl he was um, talking to, they were they like hung out and slept together uh, for three days, and he bought her a puppy, mm. and uh, and then she broke her heart and all this thing going on. But then it starts spiraling, spiraling to let me tell you, tell you something like talking to me like I'm 15 years old when I'm 31. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this president here. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, no. What have you got yourself into? What have I got myself into? Talking about this, talking about the reason why the gas price is so high is because he secretly owns oil companies and, and all this stuff. And and as as he goes on, he he talks about his pit bull, and um and how everyone's scared of pit bulls and everything, uh-huh. and he said I'm not racist, but oh my gosh, here it goes. And then inward this, inward that. Oh no! I was like, it's because these inwards put uh these put these pit bulls in for fights, and that's why they get a bad a bad oh, re- like. No. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I don't know why other like like I don't know why racist white people see it as like a, a free for all. If your skin color is white, I can say whatever the hell I want to you. Oh, and this is a double whammy. He said he said I'm not racist, but and he said and I have black friends that can agree oh. that will agree with me. Ooh. And I'm like <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> And he just gets to start spiraling, spiraling down. You know he goes be- on for an hour and a half. At the beginning of this story, I, I was on the other dude's side, and I have changed my mind since. An hour and a half, Connor. And I, as soon as I found my opening, I'm like, you know what? I need to go to bed because I'm, I'm exhausted. And, and I walk in, and I just slump down on my couch. Emotionally exhausted. Yeah, and, and Kiva, my dog, was kind of looking at me. And I, because I was so uncomfortable after all that and i was like so anxious kiva slept a little bit closer to me that night and she usually it's like 
and she usually sleeps on on her bed and i'm usually on the far side furthest from the door to the bedroom and she slept on my side of the bed that night because she dogs have this weird thing man like they know when when you're kind of in a weird mood they do oh my gosh like and and that is i gave you the spark notes version it's it's one of those things where like you know had this gone a different route you know had he just been like oh you know i'm gonna talk to you about you know my relationship troubles and then i'm just gonna talk to you about just shooting the shit about like normal stuff like cars or you know the mm-hmm. weather right i'd be a little on board because i'm like oh you know maybe he's just lonely doesn't have anybody to talk to that's what that's what i was thinking but maybe there's a reason he's lonely and doesn't have anyone to talk Connor, to. I just, I just remember something it gets worse oh he was telling me that the january 6th thing was just people expressing their frustrations and if he would have known he would have been down there oh boy and it goes on further saying that there's people siphoning his gas from the from his driveway and he thinks it's some some car that stays on the street he does, he's never recognized and how he was thinking about going up there with his gun to try to get some answers oh my gosh i'm like bro we Should live I on be a concern the next time i come over he's going to be like i don't know this car i'm going <laughs> to you're white oh yeah but you know yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, bro, we have little kids oh on the street. How do you know it's not like a family friend of theirs or something? It's like, yeah, may- maybe there's a reason why you're alone. Uh, th- I think the scary part is that people like this live so close to us. Yeah. And there's no, there's no avoiding. Like, listen, when you're buying a house, <laughs> you know, thankfully for you, you're, you're renting. When you buy a house, no one like comes up to you and is like, "Listen, in this neighborhood, you got these kind of people living around mm-hmm. you. It's a mixed bag. You can move next to a freaking total psychopath, and you wouldn't know until they come and say, "Hey, you want to have a conversation for twenty minutes, or in your case, an hour and a half." Oh my god! <laughs> oh my! And I I've been kind of scared to go outside when he's ever outside since. Yeah. Yeah, I opened a door. Yeah, now you, he's got a buddy. Yeah. Oh, so no. let's let's talk about something happier, Connor. <laughs> I gotta get off of this. Well, if, if you want <laughs> a not so awful note, I uh, I finished Aliens Fireteam Elite. Yeah. And I honestly will say, I feel like people really slept on this game. Slept on this game and kind and gave it less credit than what it deserves. I think a lot of people, at least based on the, the comments I've seen online, were going in with the expectation that it was going to be like Alien Isolation. What it's not, I don't think it was ever going to be or was ever meant to be. Ali- really, Alien Isolation and not uh, Colonial Marines. Yeah, and so, huh. Here's the thing that I I made a distinction. Someone commented on my post and was like, oh, I preferred Alien Isolation. You know, Aliens Fireteam Elite wasn't for me. And I was like, well, you really can't compare the two games because let's like the movies, Alien, the original movie, was a very slow burn um, kind of horror. Yeah, it was more horror than sci-fi by a long shot. 
Whereas the sequel, Aliens, yeah, you're unofficial you're, sequel. It's just it's just another iteration of of an Aliens game. Yeah. Um, you mean a movie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The movie. Yeah. So, Aliens was basically a sci-fi action movie with a little bit of horror elements to it. Right, and one of my favorite action movies of all time. And so if you look at the two games that exact same way, Alien Isolation is a horror game, correct? Whereas Aliens Fireteam Elite is, there's some scary moments, but it's mostly a sci-fi action game. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I look at them, and I enjoy both kind of things you know I, i'm i'm i like horror but i also like action too you know so i think you can enjoy both and i think a lot of people passed this up i don't know if it's because they were expecting an alien isolation sequel or maybe they were so burnt by colonial marines they're like ah any action alien game is going to be trash right which I, I don't get it i don't yeah. basically if you guys let like left for dead that's kind of what this game is with it. With it's kind of its own twist. Yeah, if you if you played World War Z or if you've played World War Z is a lot. I don't mean to cut you off. World War Z is a lot better comparison. Yeah, so it's a lot like World War Z or even like the zombie army games. If you've played those, mm -hmm. uh, kind of the third person co op um, shooter game. So as the game progresses, you get a lot of co uh, really cool weapons. You get a lot of cool updates. And there's a lot of variety in the creatures you fight to. You would think that, oh, it's just going to be xenomorphs. But there's many different kinds of xenomorphs. And then you also have to fight the, uh, what do they call them, working Joes. Um, you really? You fight working Joes in that? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And other, I, I had never got that far. And other AI it. that are like, I don't know what you want to call the ones that are, are meant to shoot. But yeah, some of the working Joes will just come up and attack you. Or you got like the, the military versions of those. Um there's also some uh, alienized uh, life forms of a different planet that hmm. come after you. These weird things that will run up and like explode on you. Uh, eventually, you fight the alien queen. You don't really fight as much as you run away from it. But Go DLC. It would be cool to have that in DLC. You do get a lot of face huggers near the end of the game, which are awful because they'll jump on your face and you have to like fight them off, which is freaky. And, uh, but yeah, there's just a lot of different variety in the xenomorphs. There's ones that will shoot things at you. There's ones that will charge up to you. really, really big ones called warriors will charge up to you. There's ones that'll hide and pounce on you. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like big tank ones basically that come up eventually. So you have all different kinds of, of enemy types and it kind of, I like the flow of the game where. It's kind of on-the-fly action for a while, and then you'll get to a point where basically it's like, listen, if you have any automated turrets, if you've got mines, if you whatever, set them out, and then just go to town fighting off these things. Exactly. And I think on average I was killing around 300 to 350 aliens myself in match. So imagine the quantity when there's three of you, mm -hmm. like how many aliens and creatures there are. Right. So what you're saying is that it's still better ballast than Back for Blood. Oh yeah, it's a much better <laughs> game than Back to Blood. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let that down. I was so disappointed by that game. I'd honestly probably give Fireteam Elite like an eight point five from being objective. If like I had to rate it um, based on just like the enjoyment I had playing with friends, I'd put it at probably above a nine. 
nice. Just because I, I liked it. And it's one mm-hmm. of those games where the story doesn't matter enough to where you're like, if you play through it once, you're like, eh, I don't really care to play it again. It's one of those games where I could come back to it, you know, again with a different set of friends or right. whatever and, and keep playing and still have fun with it. Mm. So, yeah, fun. I have it. So I've been meaning to finish it. Hey, if you if you want a buddy to help you finish the game, I know Lenny yeah. and I will both help you. So Yeah, m- maybe we could do that. Or we also talked about uh, playing Sniper Elite yep. 4 this weekend. But yeah. not that it matters to anyone listening to this. It matters to us that when we're recording it right now. But Yeah, we had – I don't know. I had a lot of – I got behind on my games that we were going to talk about this week. So I was like – I don't want to take away from that time because I didn't right. know how long Firewatch and Carrion were going to take. Yeah, so. th- I, I remember. So, which, which, thank you for, for saying those games. We are talking about uh, Carrion and uh, Firewatch uh, today, or tonight, depending on what time you're listening. Uh, we, we decided to kind of switch things up uh, right now. Uh, usually in the last episode... Uh, the order that I announced the games is the order that we talk about it. However, Firewatch is a heavily story-based game. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Carrion first. And if you, if anyone does not want Firewatch to be spoiled, you can turn it off after we're done talking about Carrion and then come back after you finish Firewatch. Yeah. So let's just dive right into it. So... Carrion. Wait. Wait. Oh, that's right. How Duh. dare you? First <laughs> of all. Wow. I, I'm a podcaster. I promised you. But first, Connor, let's get physical. Oh, I was just waiting for you to give me the cue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have quite a few games this time around. The first one I will start with is a game that at the time of this recording Maybe sold out, or by the time that we actually talk about it, it might be sold out. It's similar to the situation with Super Rare Games previously, but it literally just got announced on the fly. So uh, what I will say is the first game is Wife Quest Limited Edition. It is a PS4 exclusive. It was released exclusively at PlayAsia, and it is a side-scrolling, humorous action platformer where you play as a former warrior named Mia who must fight off monster girls who keep kidnapping her husband, Fernando. The game includes a collector's box, a manual, a CD soundtrack, a numbered certificate, and there were only 1,250 copies available. Jeez, only 1,200 copies? Yeah, and it released uh, May 19th. Ooh. For, I believe it was... 30 or 35 okay um i didn't get the they didn't have the price on the site at the time but i did end up ordering it because i was like yeah this seems seems cool Mm -hmm. uh so moving on to the next one is super rare mixtape volume three it is approximately 37 dollars it is a super rare exclusive as the name would imply and it is a pc only game released on a cassette tape that has a usb attached to it interesting so it so it it's almost like a a calls back to some of the like the a commodore 64 and yeah. yeah that's cool so it includes 30 hand picked games from indie developers on it six demos and then it comes in a collector's box uh, and it features uh, it has bonus features including concept art gallery, developer commentary as well. So 
Uh, there's only 2,000 copies being made of it, and it releases on May 26th. So I have the first two, and I thought they were really cool how they did this. They kind of give a chance to have some of these PC-only indie games get sort of a physical life, so to speak, on a USB. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Uh, moving on is Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Yes. Yep. Releasing for $35. It's only on Switch at the time. It's a limited run games exclusive, and it's a remaster of the Nintendo Wii version of the game that includes motion controller support and 1v1 duels. Hmm. I, I didn't even realize that there was a Wii version. Yep. The Wii version initially launched at the same time as a 360 and PS3 versions back in the day. Uh-huh. So... The reason they went with this version over a port of like the 360 or PS3 is because they wanted the motion controller support for people to, if they wanted to, use the Joy-Cons to play. Mm-hmm. And the this version was the only one that included 1v1 duels. Okay. Yeah. I guess I can kind of see it. So I've never seen any of the gameplay of the Wii version, so I need to check that out. While visually it's not the best looking version of the game it is the one with the most content so i think that's what they prioritized this time around i guess that makes sense um so there's also a premium edition available for 90 and that one includes a foil stamp box steelbook reversible poster concept art cards commemorative coin enamel pin and a certificate of authenticity Mm -hmm. and there's also a master edition of the game for 175 Dear Lord. It includes everything mentioned in the premium edition, plus a hardcover strategy guide, a light-up holocron replica, concept art cards, and a Starkiller miniature hilt replica. Uh, The pre-orders for that one end May 29th. Moving on, I got three left here. Uh, We have Rainbow Billy, The Curse of the Leviathan. That one sells for approximately $20. Uh, It is on Switch and PS4. And I think... It is a GameStop exclusive because I have not yet seen it at any other retailers at the time that I looked this up. And weirdly enough, when I went to go search on the site, I couldn't find it. But then I went to my pre-orders and I clicked it and it showed up on their site like you could add it to the cart again. So I don't know. There might be some weird metadata issue on GameStop's site. Whatever. Um, It looks like a wholesome creature capture 2.5D adventure puzzle platformer. It has over 30 hours of gameplay and has RPG elements as well. And that one releases May 31st. Nice. So, uh, The next one is Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. Uh, sells for approximately $30. It's available on Switch and PS4. It is a wide release, so you don't have to go to any particular retailer. It's a top-down shooter game with a Shrine Maiden and a Tanuki. And it's the newest release in the Pocky and Rocky series that continues the story and has a... Uh, in addition to a story mode, has a co-op free mode and has an extra easy mode for beginners. You can play as Pocky, Rocky, or one of three new characters, and, in, and it also has online leaderboards for the first time. And that one releases May 31st. I'm really excited about this one because uh, years and years ago on the Game Grumps channel, they co-opted the original Pocky and Rocky, hmm. which I believe is an SNES game. But at the time... And I'm sure it's gone up since then. I remember looking it up at the time years ago. It was probably around eighty dollars for the cartridge. Wow. So I'm assuming now it's well over a hundred, if I had to guess. Jeez. So if you want to be able to play Pocky and Rocky, this is probably the cheapest way to play it at thirty dollars. And who right. knows? 
it could go up in price too, like the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll move on to the last game. Okay, it's Loopers, which sells for approximately twenty eight dollars. It's available on the Switch, and it is a Japan exclusive game. So you'll have to order it from Play Asia or Amazon Japan. Uh, it's a visual novel with English subtitles. It's about a high school student and his friends uh, who become trapped in a time loop while out playing a treasure hunting game. Uh, They meet other loopers stuck repeating the same day and have to work together to try to break that loop. Uh, That one releases June 2nd. Nice. So, yeah. Very good. Any of those interest you? Probably the uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Is that the bad guy from the Star Wars? (laughs) No, goddammit! Still still one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. (laughs) All right, so let's get physical done. Let's go ahead and just dive right into our games here. So, Carrion is a 2D uh, side-scroller developed by Phobia Game Studio, released in, in 2020. Um, you can get this for PC, Mac, PS4, Xbox, and Switch, so all the major platforms. And you can usually beat this around four and a half hours if you know where to go, which we will get into. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a very simple story. Uh, a monster bre- breaches uh, containment because science hasn't learned anything from sci-fi movies. Yeah, basically. And so escapes, eats people, lots of blood and gore. And that's basically what what you'll play as you'll play as the monster this this has the uh concept of the reverse horror game yeah um it has alien and like a thing feel to it yeah kind of and definitely like uh kind of like the mind flayer from stranger things as well yes that as well so the gameplay is navigating an underground facility and finding these uh, cracks in the walls to spread your biomass in order to break open sealed doors in order for you to progress. And these um, cracks in the walls, they act as like save points. That's the, the, this is where you go to save your game. Uh, as you progress, uh, you'll get larger and you'll, get, you'll find uh, DNA containers to break and nest in, which grants you new abilities. These new abilities are like shoot a sticky web to trap people, then you can go up and eat them. Um, smash attack, invisibility, um, growing spikes, swarm of worms, which is for navigating underwater. Um, you can full-on control humans. You can shoot harpoons, and you can grow an armored shell. Mm-hmm. And each of these abilities that you have, you can't use all these abilities at all at once. Uh, you need to be a certain size to be able to use them. For example, you need to be smaller to be invisible and shoot webs, but larger to shoot harpoons and grow a temporary armored shell. Yeah. Um, and, and some of these abilities also require energy to use. So I, I think um, what the invisibility. Shell does. Yeah, and uh, invisibility. There's one other that does too. Uh, I can't, qu- I don't know off the top of my head. And you need to find these by finding fuse boxes. They're they're late in the game ro- world, usually nearby an, an area where the, where the ability is required. Yeah, and so and they're they're everywhere. So and some of the mobs that you fight are uh, like your basic scientist. Uh, not he, he's not armed and will run run away. They'll scream <laughs> as as you grab them. Um, some scientists are armed. Yes, and will shoot you. Which then is you have pistol. Yeah, you have basic security. 
which is also armed with a pistol. Mm-hmm. And then you have the soldiers. Uh, soldiers suck. The soldiers are, are terrible. Um, all of them have energy sheer shields that can hurt you and protect them. They are armed with machine guns and flamethrowers. Yeah, the flamethrower really sucks. Yeah. God help you if you, if you uh, get set on fire <laughs> and don't find water because that's basically instant death. And these characters can all get in mechs, too. Yeah, which, yeah, that w- we will get into that. <laughs> um, and the the soldiers cannot be eaten. Yeah, that, that didn't make any sense to me. Me neither. So, outside of, like, the human enemies, you have, uh, mach- like, turrets, uh, mechs, and drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the drones, you have ones that have shields as well and can shoot. Yeah, those suck, too. Not as bad as the smaller ones. The ones with the little helicopter blade. Yeah, on them? I had yeah. a lot more trouble with them than the than uh, the first ones because the first ones, like the ones that had the lasers and everything, those can be outmaneuvered easily and you can hide from them. Yeah. The other drones, you cannot. I just the only thing I did with those is I would web them and then mm. I grab one and sling it around and, and that's, break it. I think that's what essentially what, what you need to do. You need to be a smaller size and thus have lower health in order to fight them. And they don't come at you one at a time. They'll no. come at you like five at a time. And likely there's other enemies coming after you too. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, you have turrets you have, uh, and mechs. And with mechs, you need to outmaneuver and try to rip the pilot out. And they're armed with a... With a chain gun that will just absolutely decimate you. Oh, yeah. And so, this game is actually pretty hard. Yeah, the best thing to do with those mechs is to take control of a human, get mm-hmm. in one of the mechs, and use that it is, against them. That is super satisfying. Yeah. So, I'm going to make this perfectly clear. We are not a puzzle game co- um, podcast. No. All right? We are, a, we are a podcast about shorter games. And a lot tend to be puzzles. <laughs> I know. This game is much more of a puzzle game than action horror. Yeah, I would probably say so. Because you need to be constantly changing your sizes to unlock doors and pull levers and open new pathways a- as you gain new abilities. And it's also way line- way more linear than it looks. Because as you're navigating, you think there'll be a whole bunch of different side paths, alternate routes. Not really. Yeah. I mean, the only side paths you can get, you can get additional, what do they call them? The, the vials that give you the power. DNA up. containers, basically. So there's ones that are core to the story that I think it wants you to get. Mm-hmm. And then I actually stumbled across some like optional ones. That so There's uh, like nine of them. Yeah, and they just give you extra tentacles. Yeah, which... I don't know why. I, I don't see how extra tentacles can help. I don't really. I didn't notice a difference. I got quite a few. Me of neither. Them and I didn't notice anything. And so, and that's that's basically the extent of of what this gameplay loop is. You, you're you're trying to get out of the bunker. Yeah. And and Escape then into the human world. And then end life as as we know it. Yeah. Probably. Um, my thoughts of this game is I think the game started very strong. Like this is a pretty like I do I don't want to say that this concept of a, of a game is a new idea like there's other games where you can play as monsters, um. However, I th- I felt like the novelty wore off pretty quickly. Yes, especially as you start 
growing more. And as you grow more, controlling your monster starts getting tougher. And it's pretty annoying. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to tell where the head and the end is, you know? And there are times where, like, because in, in these um, maps that you enter, you have, you have one-way pipes that will take you to, to different areas of the map. And sometimes you get so large that you accidentally get yeah. sucked into it and you have to start that thing all over again. Or accidentally. The worst thing is, so there are these explosive hooks that'll latch out and grab onto you. Right. I can't tell you how many times I bumped into those. And if you don't have your hard shell, it's a one-shot kill. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, this game was probably the most frustrating game to navigate in a long fucking time. Yeah, there's no no map, and there's really no way to get, like, a waypoint. The closest thing you have is, like, this echolocation. And what it does, it, it essentially just tells you where your checkpoints are. Yes. And when I say checkpoints, you don't know if those are checkpoints that you've already gotten or ones you haven't gotten. There's no way to, to uh, differentiate them. At least not that I can tell. Not that I can tell either. The only use that the echolocation has is that it can lure enemies. Yeah, that's true. So, and that's that's really the only way I used it is, is, I, would, is I would use it to have a soldier turn its back and I would sneak up and grab him. Yeah, it's also, I used it a couple times when I was, like, low on health or I wanted to go save. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, oh, where's the nearest checkpoint? And I could use it that way, but it was pretty rare. Yeah. But I, I think, honestly, I, I went around in circles, and, like, the part of me that I, I wanted to put down the game after... I don't even know. Maybe after like the first half of the game, I wanted to put it down because the as you unlock more areas and the and the world gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you don't know whether you should be backtracking or not, and it's so easy to get lost that like I was just getting frustrated. Like there was a time where like I was definitely lost, and I was just like, I just don't want to play this anymore. That happened to that that happened to us earlier today. Like, yep. like uh, I I did I didn't get the chance to finish this game before I came over, but because we were gonna watch Bell, we decided to order a pizza. Well, it being Friday night, it was gonna take like an hour before the pizza gets here. So I was like, you know what? I'll finish carrying when when I as we wait. You and I had to work together to try to figure out where the fuck I had to go because yep. it turned out that I backtracked without realizing it because the game does not uh, clearly tell you where you are. Yeah. you. There's really no spatial awareness at all in the game. No. And I think the worst, the absolute worst thing about the game is when you beat the last section of the game and you're supposed to go and like finish the game... I had no idea where to go. I literally had to look it up after I wandered around for ages. I was like, mm -hmm. all right, where the hell am I supposed to go? And it's like, oh, you got to go backwards a little bit, then up and then down. And then you go into this, you break the glass and you go into this thing. And it's like, you didn't lead me to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I assume that once you finish a final level, there's some kind of like trigger or indicator of, ah, oh, you're, you're there, you know, you're ready to wrap it up. Right. No. E even so something as simple as like, 
uh, like I know vib- the vibration wouldn't really count for like if you have it playing this on a switch light. But if you're playing with it with a controller, like maybe a, like a vibration as you get closer to your destination, it starts vibrating a bit more vigorously. Yeah, yeah. Just like y- there, there's intuitive ways you can do this that doesn't involve a player stumbling around. Yeah. Because that's when that's when a player gets frustrated. Is because I don't like games where they just kind of like. With with some exceptions, like um, I usually don't like games that just kind of throw you in, and say okay, figure figure it out. Because even games that do that, they they nudge you in a certain direction in like environmental design. Like a ver- a very good example, um, I and I don't mean to keep going back to Dark Souls. The first Dark Souls, where you're not sure where to go, they they tell you like. There's an NPC that tells you, oh, you have to ring two bells, one above and one below. And so you try to go below. There's skeletons that are way too hard, and it tells you, you need to come back here later. So you go the other way, and that's the critical path. Yeah. But there, there, there are ways you can do it. Here's, honestly, if you want the simplest fix to this problem that wouldn't have taken hardly any extra effort to put in, close off. The old levels. Once you've completed yes. a section, close it off. Mm-hmm. A- at the worst, then, you're just wandering around the one small section that you are on. Currently. Right. Yeah. You're not, oh, shit, did I backtrack? Did I go? Because can you imagine the thought crossed my mind of, oh, my gosh, what if I wandered somehow all the way back to the beginning of the game? Like mm-hmm. How much of a nightmare it would be to try to get back to like the end of the game, like ugh. Yeah. So overall, I w- I would probably give this game like a low seven. And it yeah. and it and it had nothing to do with the actual action and the gameplay itself. It was just the navigation and like you're supp- you you're, you're supposed to feel like a super powerful unstoppable monster that's what i was just about to get to and you don't you feel f- like like it's okay to it's okay to to be fragile i mean or or somewhat fragile cuz that's where the challenge comes yeah but but as you progress as as a monster you're supposed to have a sense of empowerment near the end of the game you're supposed to feel like nothing can stop me dude you're hitting the exact point i was going to say it's like by that last level, by the time you're wrapping it up, they should have done this. So the the after you beat the final level of the game, the final section, you basically wander through the facility and you're just all you encounter is like unarmed people and you can just kill them, you know? Um what they should have done is by the time you finished that last level, you're just godly overpowered like you have all these new abilities Mm. maybe they don't hide all of your abilities behind like you know your size or whatever maybe you can use all of your abilities at once or some crazy thing and make you like ungodly unstoppable and then throw the hardest enemies in the game at you at the end there but you're just mowing through them because at that point you're so powerful can you imagine how like a big boom that game would have ended on and and at the end, where you can finally eat soldiers, yes, to, sh- to show the progress that you made, that you're just smacking mechs out of the way, exactly. Like. And so, like, I th- I do th- like someone someone mod this in. So- someone make a better ending for this game. 
Yeah, it ends on kind of honestly like a whimper. It's kind of like a creepy end at the same time. Um, you want you want to say it? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You know. turn human. Yeah, you, human you, with with quotes. You you finally get one last container that you don't know what it does, and it allows you to turn into a a human, and you can you just slowly walk out of the facility after that. Yeah, doom in the world. Yes, but. I'm just glad I'm done. I'm done with this game. Yeah, I'd give it like a I, six point five or a seven. Yeah, but oh man, <laughs> we we kind of tore this game a new one. But you know, there's there's a lot of good to it. Before I think before there we is. move on, we should probably say I really liked the art style. I thought it was oh the art really style was cool. great. Then the animation of of the monster moving through the facility. He just he's grabbing with his tentacles and kind of pulling himself like like so many like little like squiggly tendrils and everything it looks great and a lot of the abilities were really cool and, mm -hmm. and the individual level designs were really cool as well some of the, like the puzzly aspects of it were right really interesting um but i think when you have all that good but you have a lot more bad is what dropped our opinion of it yeah and that's carrion you're you're free you're free to try it if you want you might like it more than us um if you like 2d scrollers where you kind of have to kind of figure out in a maze this is probably for you and if you love it great if it's your favorite game of all time that's great too yeah different strokes for different folks if you're on the fence maybe grab it on a sale yeah more than 50 percent off or mm. something <laughs> i mean it's worth five bucks yeah yeah i don't know if it was worth i think when i bought it's it like 15 i bought it for like 30 wow Cause, oh because you bought the physical yeah it, it included all the dlc which i guess you know, we didn't mention it, but there is like a Christmas DLC for mm -hmm. it. I did not play it. I don't know if I ever will. Nah. And not unless I see somebody being like, no, no, no. It's just like a wonderful it's experience. Like on how long to beat.com, it says it's like a 30 minute DLC. Honestly, if it's that short, I'll just YouTube it. Yeah, maybe. So I'm I'm not too concerned about it. But that's carry on. Uh, let's move on to our last topic of the night. Uh, Firewatch. Now, as I stated earlier in the episode, this is a heavily story-based game. Mm -hmm. So if you want to play Firewatch and you don't want to be spoiled, shut it off now. In three, two, one. So Firewatch is, is developed by Campo Santo and released in 2016. This is, you can get this on PC, PS4, Xbox, and Switch. And you can, you can kind of beat this in about four hours. Yeah. It's, it's about a man named Henry who takes a summer job as a fire watcher a year after the, 19, the 1988 Yellowstone fire after his wife is put into a home due, in, due to early onset dementia. So, And the gameplay loop of this is you basically just walk to destinations. You're equipped with a map, rope, and compass, listening to story, and responding to your supervisor, Delilah. Yeah, and from what I tell you, can't die or anything no so it's not you like can't you can't fail it out so this this is kind of a weird one where the main story beats will always play out the same but how you respond to it differs mm -hmm. and and how delilah who is gonna be you're gonna you, how can i say this she's gonna be the one person that you are in constant contact with Throughout the entire game. She's basically the only person you interact exactly. with. Exactly. And how you respond to her will kind of form her opinion of you. And she'll and if you're nice to her, she'll open up a little bit more to you. And if you're kind of mean to her, she'll kind of close herself off mm -hmm. to you. And that's and that's kind of what the appeal of this game is. So as, as the story pro progresses, uh, on, on your first day, for example, 
um, this, this is an example of, of how um, events can play out differently, but outcomes are always the same. Um, the teenager scene. Um, on your first day, Delilah sees fireworks shooting shooting out in the in the distance, and Henry asks, "Wait, is that legal?" She's like, "No, that's a that's a fire hazard." And so, with the ranger only being, uh, or with the ranger being two days out, he, she basically tells you to go take care of it. As you go on, the teens are naked, splashing in the lake with music playing, which all you see are silhouettes in the distance. Um, they call you a creep and valley girl accents, everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Depending on your dialogue choices, they will either walk away. Um, you can take their music, their music, and they'll beg you to to put it back, or you can <clears throat> just throw it in the water and destroy it, and they'll call you an asshole for it. But the outcome, it will still they will still walk away, and you will still go back to your um. Watchtower, where you can still run into the creepy guy, and you'll still run into Cave Four Four Fifty Two. Out of curiosity, how did you play that scene? I tried to be as professional as I could. Okay, so what did that entail? Just telling them that the fireworks are illegal, and they said "fuck you" and walked away. I did that, um, but on the way there, I stole all of their alcohol. Oh, I oh yeah, I stole their whiskey and I stole their music box. Yeah, and I I picked up all their cans, and I didn't steal their music box. I waited till they left, and I picked up my fruit in the river. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, pretty funny. And those girls later, later uh, ransack your tower. Do they do that regardless? Yes. Because I was wondering if it was because I, like, stole their alcohol and I that's, broke their boom that, That's That's what I mean by um, certain story beats will always play out the same. Okay. So, so no matter what. Yeah. And this mysterious man that you run into... I believe it was it was the same uh, sequence, or yeah, was that you later? Him right after when you're heading yeah. back home, he becomes important later. You don't know who he is, and you don't know who he is for a long time. Yeah, till the like the very end of the game. Yeah, and so and then you go through Cave Four Fifty Two with a locked gate inside, and Delilah says that those keys were lost a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So, and keep in mind. Everything here, you you can choose to respond or not respond at all. Yeah. So. <clears throat> and anything you interact with, you can choose to tell Delilah about or just keep it to yourself. Right, right. So, as the story progresses, uh, you have a dream scene with ab- about your wife who in which Delilah um, will ask you about. She, she can, like, even though you're, you're talking through walkie-talkies, she'll still, like, somewhat hear you talking in your sleep well I, it's it actually i take that back it's implied that maybe you're sl- like you're sleepwalking or well she says you know if you have a a conversation with her afterwards she'll say you called her in the middle of the night calling her julia julia your wife so that's how she knows about it and actually that scene was important because it kind of sets up the uncertainty for the rest of the game it's am i losing it Mm -hmm. is this in my head because clearly he imagined his wife's voice because there's no way she's calling him over the walkie-talkie out there when only delilah has access to it that we know of right so and you can 
Um, and Delilah, like I said, Delilah will ask you about it. You can choose to say, no, that's no one. Or you can be open with her and say, that's my wife. Yeah. So um, so as the months progress, uh, Delilah will start speaking about the last guy in your tower and his son. The father, Ned, um, was a Vietnam vet who drank heavily um, because of it. He loved the outdoors and tried to get his son, Brian, in it too. Um and you you later find Brian's backpack, um, but we'll get to that second. And you find his little hideout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delilah says that she developed a really close relationship with the son, even though he was only twelve. It was it was never really clear whether it was a motherly relationship or just a woman who liked him for who he was. I'm gonna guess the latter. Mm. Um, and then just one day they just leave. Um. And Henry finds Brian's backpack, assuming they had to leave in a hurry. Okay. At this point, what were you think? What What were you thinking? Because this is, this was still pretty early in the game. I'm and to think. and by the way, I, I tried my best to kind of try to remember like when the story beats are. Mm-hmm. Um, some of this might be completely out of sequence. Yeah, I mean, it, this is this is a hard game to talk about. Yeah. Because there's a lot of plot that goes on. Um, so, are you talking about what did I think at the point when I found out that there was this father and son and they're no longer there? I, I guess everything up to, uh, up to this because you 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 mentioned uh, like this is around the time where you started losing it. We where it felt like you were starting to lose it. Did you think like would you think like this was this all a dream or no or or do you think months and months of isolation was starting to um to kind of play with your head a little bit. So that wasn't the part where I started questioning things. Uh so when it comes to the the father and the son, what my initial theory was uh Delilah tells you that there's a dangerous bear around somewhere at some point. Oh, that's right. And wants you to go look for it in one of the sections. I thought maybe the father and son went out camping and maybe were attacked by a bear or got lost or, you know, died somewhere in the woods. That's what I thought. And the reason I started talking about the questionable sanity is as you progress further in the game, um, someone attacks you and knocks you out after you find a radio. And you also end up finding a, a uh, clipboard that has notes about your conversations with Delilah. As well as notes saying Henry is easily manipulated and and everything. So at this point, I thought, oh, shit, am I in the middle of an experiment? I thought the same thing. Especially when you find uh, the station with all all the radio equipment and a tracker and everything, which you, you do steal the tracker and that replaces your compass. Um. And that the weird part about that is, and and even after beating the game, I question this. In this tent, they not only have the conversations that you've currently had, but they have backstories on you and Delilah, mm-hmm. like prior to you coming there. Like, how would this person or persons have got this information? Right. It's it's really weird, and they and they also have a map of all the destinations that you've been, so they know your pathways as well. They've been watching you the whole time. Yes, um, so as the story progresses, um, 
the tracker that you steal starts beeping again. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it takes you to a location with the keys to K452. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, we're, we're skipping over a lot of thing, things here because I, I really do think it would be boring if I just go beat by beat by beat by beat of this story. Yeah, um, you gotta let people experience things yeah. themselves. So, you enter you enter the cave, and someone slams it shut behind you. This is when you start thinking you're fucked. Yeah, because there's no way you can contact Delilah in this cave that lets you know that you're stuck. You're you're basically think you're gonna die down there. As he progresses further into the cave, he find as you mentioned earlier, he find Brian's a little fortress that he made in a rock cr- cropping, and you learn a little bit about him. He was into, like, um, Dungeons & Dragons, role-playing games. He loved science mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And But you also find um, uh, rock climbing anchors. And he hides them from his father and asks a ranger, whoever f- finds them, to send it back to their house because he doesn't like to climb. Mm-hmm. He finds it scary. Um and you would use those anchors to, to like go deeper into the cave in order to try to find your way out. Yes. <clears throat> and this is this is the big this is the big reveal. Down here you find Brian's body. Yep. This this poor twelve year old boy's b- body who has become a skeleton at this point. Because he's been down there for so long. And it looked like that he died in a climbing accident. Yeah. And this fucking broke my heart man this was so sad um because m- my reaction to delilah is i didn't i wasn't i couldn't be cold with her saying brian's dead i i i chose the call in a, cer- a search and rescue team um and delilah is just fucking torn um she gets torn to the point to where she's almost irrational saying Ned must have killed him. Mm-hmm. It's it's revealed that Brian was indeed in a climbing accident, and Ned was just utterly decimated from it because he thinks it was his fault. Yeah, and I'm not. I can't quite remember all the beats. I don't know if he just wanted to leave his son in peace, but Ned was purposefully messing with Delilah and Ned to get them out. He he's he just wanted to be left alone. It's. I felt like at least the vibe that I got was he didn't want to face repercussions for his son's death. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's what it felt like to mm-hmm. me where, you know, his son died in this accident. If he were to call it in or say something, you know, he might end up in jail or, you know, seen as a terrible father, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. I think when he was, you know, messing with Delilah and your character, like he was trying to keep himself out of trouble still. Yeah. And so overall, like I really did enjoy this game. And I honestly, it's just really, really one of those weird things to where because it's so heavily story driven, I wouldn't even call it a game in more that it's an experience. Yeah, I think they, I don't want to say they dropped the ending. I I don't think the ending was satisfying. 
I'm I'm lukewarm on the ending. So and and that was just, that was just depending on on my choices. You can ask Delilah to stay and wait for you. I did. She won't. Yeah, and but I I told her to to go on without me. I was basically said, you know what? Don't wait for me. This, um, because at, at at this time there a forest fire has broken out and it's gotten out of control. Yes. And my thought is, don't wait for me. This fire is getting worse. Get out while you, while you have the chance. Yeah. I I told her to wait. She refused. And then, the thing I don't like is the game kind of it's a red herring for sure but they kind of insinuate that you know there's a a greater conspiracy going on and you're so close to unraveling it all and then when you find out you know what really happened it's it's a little bit more mundane while it's also very sad but it's, it's a very mundane explanation they kind of there's a tape that you find that the father left. It explains everything. Um, it kind of rushes through that, it seems like. And then the end is very open-ended. You you don't end up calling anyone to go find the boy's body. And Delilah, even if you're like, oh, you know, you should come stay with me. She's like, oh, maybe someday. And right. that's kind of – it's. It ends on kind of a whimper, I say. Okay, um, I I was okay with the ending personally, so um, I I I personally really kind of liked that it wasn't a whole conspiracy. It was just um, someone messing with you, because mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I generally like simpler answers to to stuff to stuff like that because. I feel like the greater conspiracy is a pretty common trope, and I'm really glad they they uh, uh, they deviated from it. Yeah, I don't. It's my feelings are very weird on it. Like it's like, while I was not necessarily expecting that ending, and I usually prefer an ending that kind of catches me off guard. It didn't catch me off guard. And maybe the way I wanted it to after all the buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be quite frank, even though they kind of build up these characters uh, of Ned and his son, I still didn't care about them because you never really interacted with them. You never saw them interact. Everything you knew about them was just from things you found or from Delilah's conversation. So you didn't have this connection. So like I found the body and I'm like, you know, that's sad and kind of, you know, it's going to be hard to tell Delilah, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean much for my character that I'm playing as, I guess. Okay. So, but how would you rate this game, Connor? Probably like an eight. Okay. Um, I think the story kind of dropped, as I said, a little bit. It didn't end quite the way maybe I would have liked. And then um, the weird thing about this game is I know it's a PS4 title. Uh, it's it's technically last gen now. I remember seeing early screenshots of this game years ago, and I remember thinking, oh, this game looks really pretty. And it doesn't, though. It doesn't age well. It looks really muddy. The character designs are kind of clunky looking mm-hmm. and um i know it's an indie studio 
but at the same time, it's like there's not a lot going on in the game. So if they had made it more pretty or even stylized it a little bit more, it might have, I don't know, had a stronger impact with me. Okay. But yeah, I'll give it an eight. Cool. All right. And so what those are you. Uh, probably about an eight. I, I said I said nine uh, in the 2022 completions, but as I think about it more and more, I'm I might just bump that down to like maybe an eight point five because okay. it's it's obvious that um I liked it a lot more than you did. Mm-hmm. So that's so I'll I'll, I'll just rate it about half a half a point higher. Okay. So. Next week, we're doing something different here. We're going to review four games. And these, these games are usually about two and a half hours, depending. <clears throat> they are VVVVV. I, ha- I had to count that out. And the uh, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Mm-hmm. Just ignore them. And Xenocrisis. Yes. And so, and those are the four games. We're, we're, we're going to try to figure out how, how we're going to do it. Um, we, we discussed that maybe we'll, we'll like split it into two parts and then we'll just release it at the same time. But I think we're leaning towards more just releasing it all in one and to see how it performs. Yeah. And then additionally, uh, I'll kind of just drop this now. We, uh, a friend uh, of mine is a, he's been in the game publishing business for a while and he, uh, got to be a director on a game recently. And after having a conversation with him today, he sent me a review copy of a game called Otako Cross, uh, which is a Mahjong game featuring... Uh, basically, th- there's a there's an anime trope about boys who dress up as girls, basically, and, and have the appearance of a girl. Mm-hmm. Not quite like drag, but more like... I, I don't know how you want to describe it. it. It's kind of a unique thing, uh, but it features these types of characters in it. And uh, he he offered to let me review it. And so, you know, at, as a, a friend and someone who enjoys playing shorter games, this seemed like a perfect thing to do. So I'm going to yeah. play through that. And maybe we'll, before we talk about our four games, uh, I'd like to sit down and have a, a brief conversation about that after I give my opinions and kind of give a review on it excellent all right there it is guys uh as you can tell my brain is slowly starting to become more and more dead as it gets later fuzzy boy fuzzy boy i ain't gonna get to bed thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time